everyone. Happy Sunday. Can you hear me okay? Okay. All right. Hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. It's good to be here. Um, I'm excited to be here. I think what I'm going to share is really what God wants me to share. And I'm also excited because if you haven't noticed, I didn't wear workout clothes to church today for the first time since 2019. Actually, I wore real people clothes today. And actually, at one point, I had thought, I was like, what if I just didn't do a sermon and instead took everyone through a workout? And Ying and I could do Guts to Gains. Remember Guts to Gains? Guts to Gains is this workout class that Ying and I teach. Sometimes we call it Guts to Gains. And, and now we have Joseph here, too. So now this church has three trainers. So who knows? Maybe if you come back in the future, we'll do a workout class. So... Let's actually go to the verses that we're going to go over today. So if you want to look up at the slide, we're going to go over Ephesians 3, 17b. And I'll read it first. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I'll come back to it in more detail during the middle of the sermon, but just keep it top of mind for now, okay? Let me pray for us first. Lord, speak through me today. We want less of me and more of you to come through. We want to hear from you. We invite you into this room. We pray that you open our eyes and ears so that we may see and hear you. We hope that what you have to say to us today will be for your glory and for our growth. So will you encourage and challenge all of us listening today? And God, give me the courage to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Help me be sensitive yet confident. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today I want to talk about something that I have been struggling with for the past few years, and that thing is lust. I know, I can't believe I'm doing this either, but we're gonna talk about it. So yes, lust is something that I struggle with, but at a deeper level, at a deeper level, it is about my need to feel desired by men. And we'll dive into that a little bit later, but first let's define lust, just so we are all on the same page. And there is a definition that I really like by John Piper, who's an author and pastor, and he says, Check, check. Tap. Okay. Um, lust is the realm of thought imagination, and desire that leads to sexual misconduct. And I know you're thinking, because misconduct, that is such an HR word, right? Like That's the word that's used when you get called into the principal's office. But I actually like this definition because we got to call it out for what it is, misconduct, as in conducting ourselves in a way that we know isn't good for us that we know we shouldn't, isn't good for us in the long term, and it's not what God wants for our lives, right? And if I could be a little bit more honest and vulnerable, my specific misconduct is I go too far 
with men that I'm not in a relationship with. And because I go too far, I get attached. And you can see I get attached to somebody I'm not even in a relationship with. It's not healthy. So let me share a quick story here. Years ago, I had dinner with two guy friends. And when we sat down for dinner, I asked them, um, how was your guys' day? What did you do today? And they said, they were telling me about this men's breakfast they had. And they were like, we have this like accountability group at church. We have breakfast once a month. And we talk with each other. We pray for each other. We hold each other accountable when it comes to our lust. And I said, that is amazing. I wish we women had something like that. And they were so confused. They were like, wait, what? Why would you women even need something like that? And that is so much of the attitude that we all have, right? Like, we think that lust is something only men struggle with because it's never talked about from a woman's experience and perspective, right? And, like, for me, it has been this silent struggle. Like, I bought into the lie that I was alone in this struggle. But I am here today on behalf of all women to say that lust is absolutely something that we can struggle with, and we do struggle with. And a lot of times, it's our silent struggle. What's also interesting is I have learned this talking to both men and women about the different ways we experience lust. And for women, there's this added complexity to it. And it is this added layer where it's a lot of emotional, relational needs. It's our desire to feel desirable. And that is 100% true for me. Because if you really go to the root of my struggle, it's not about the men, it's not about the lust, it is about my need to feel desirable. And when I am physically desired, it makes me feel, it makes me feel loved. But what's sad, what's sad is that I did all of these things in an effort to secure love, but in the end, it only made me feel used and unlovable. So, how do we all struggle with this? Now, lust might not be a struggle for you. If so, good for you. <laughs> um, but I am still willing to bet that you have some sort of desire to feel desirable or maybe a need to feel loved or a need to feel important. So that's how we all struggle with this. We all have a need to feel, insert the blank, and we will grasp at things to feel, insert the blank. So for me, I grasped at men to feel desirable. But I think let's take another example like um, work and careers. So first let me say um, we grasp at a lot of good things, like relationships, love, sex, money, career. These are all good things, right, that we grasp at because we want to feel a certain way. The thing, the distinction here, though, is that those things ultimately won't fulfill us. You know what I mean? So going back to my work and career example, let's say you want to be a top performer at work. Great thing. Let's say you want other people's approval that comes from being a top performer at work. Totally a good thing, too. But let's say you exceed the proper boundaries for your work because you work until you ruin your health or you lie, cheat, steal 
break the law to get ahead at work, right? That is like exceeding proper boundaries and that's how you know work and career, which are good things, have now become like an idol, have now become something that you have crossed boundaries with, have now become something that's not healthy for you. Let's take love and relationships as an example. So let's say that you wanna be in a relationship with someone, great thing. You want love and acceptance, also great things. But exceeding proper boundaries might mean that you allow that person to take advantage of you or it means you're blind to the toxicity of that relationship if it's a toxic relationship. Or it might mean that you always have a girlfriend, you always have a boyfriend, you hop from relationship to relationship because you're scared to be alone. And so do you start to see how if we really dig into ourselves, if we really dig deep, all of us have some sort of deep-seated need, right? Okay. Um, so that's how I struggle with this. That's how you can struggle with this. Let's talk about uh, what God says about this. So let us go back to the Ephesians slide. And you can look up here. Okay. So a little bit of context here. So why did I pick Ephesians? Because when I was going through my struggle with lust, Ephesians 3 was the verse that I turn to. Um, and I hope it encourages you in the same way that it's encouraged me. So let's uh, go over it. Ephesians 3, 17b to 19. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, I'm going to set this here. My biggest fear is that this is going to fall and you all are gonna watch me break my like $300 iPad, but, okay, okay. This is on the church, right? Just kidding. Okay, awesome. Okay, that's better. I was holding my iPad like it was a security blanket, but, okay. So, uh, Ephesians, a little bit of context first. So Paul, who is an apostle of uh, Jesus, kind of like a primary disciple of Jesus. He is in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel, and he is writing a letter to the Christians in a city called Ephesus, which is why it's called the Book of Ephesians. And in chapter 3, he has a section where he prays for the strength of the Ephesians, and we're going to zoom in on a few of the verses here, okay? So Ephesians three seventeen b through 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what do we see here? the parts I underlined are going to be our focus. So Paul's prayer is that the people be rooted and established in God's love. What does that mean? That's probably the easiest thing to figure out because if you look up at the side at an image of a tree, you'll see that, um, Joey, can we go to the image of a tree with roots? Thank you. Okay, so we see this tree, and we see all the roots underneath, and we see that this tree is rooted to the ground, right? 
So if a storm comes, if it gets really windy, this tree may sway side to side, but it won't be uprooted, right? So in the same way, when Paul prays for us to be rooted and established in love, if we are rooted to the ground, tough circumstances that we go through, our windy storms, so to speak, they won't uproot us, right? If we are rooted and established in God's love, when we go through those tough circumstances, those windy storms, we won't be uprooted. Okay, so now let's go back to the Ephesians slide, and we will go to Ephesians 3.18. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, okay? So I want you to notice this if-then relationship. If we're rooted and established in God's love, then we can grasp the love of Christ, okay? Um, And if you grasp onto something, what does that mean? If you grasp onto something, you seize it and you hold onto it firmly. It is a firm grip onto something. It's not like you're um, holding eggshells, eggshells or something like that. You are holding something with a tight, firm grip, okay? So that is really grasping the love of Christ. And the second point I want to make about verse 18, really think about the words in describing the extent of God's love. It's wide, it's long, it's high and deep. And if you go to the next slide, there is a description that I really like um, about God's love. And this was a friend sent me this Instagram post like years ago, and I saved it. Uh, And I love the imagery in it. And it's God's love is wide enough to include every person, long enough to last through all eternity, deep enough to reach the worst sinner, high enough to take us to heaven. So beautiful, right? So, so beautiful. So we see here that God's love is all-encompassing. It's multi-dimensional, okay? Let's go to verse 19. Let's go back to Ephesians verse 19, and this will start to make sense because we're going to come full circle. Okay, verse 19 Uh, says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, and remember that if-then relationship. If we grasp the love of Christ, then we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If we grasp the love of Christ, we may be filled with the fullness of God. And verse 19, I feel like, is so weighty, Uh, Fullness of God is a very weighty phrase. It almost sounds unattainable, right? But there's a definition that I really liked that I heard once when I was visiting a church in Austin, Texas. And it's, you can look up at the slide here, it's fullness of God is when we have all of God in us and when we receive everything God has for us. When we have all of God in us, things like his presence, his strength, his power, his love, and we receive everything God has for us, things like his holiness, his character, his gifts, his discipline. Okay, so here's the crux of my message. So if you're zoning out, come back to me now because I'm about to give you the takeaways. Live stream, if you're multitasking, come back to me now. Okay, so what Paul's saying here, what Paul's saying here is if we have the power to grasp the fullness of the love of Christ, 
then we will be filled with the fullness of God. Meaning, meaning, if we grasp the love of Christ, then we won't grasp at other things to fill us. If we grasp the love of Christ, we won't grasp at other things to fill us. Okay. <laughs> now, so I know we just went through like a mini Bible study there, but I, why am I trying to break down these verses to you guys? Okay. Because I really believe, honestly believe, when we have God's words in our hearts and we equipped ourselves with God's words, lust doesn't stand a chance against us. Sin doesn't stand a chance against us. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance. Our idols, our insecurities don't stand a chance. It doesn't mean you won't struggle with those things anymore, but it means they won't have that firm grip on you if you truly grasp the love of Christ, right? Like, truly. And guess what? Here's, here's the kicker. When you are not trying to grasp at other things to fill you, you know what you can focus on? You can focus on loving God and loving others, on serving God and serving others. When you are not constantly distracted and exhausted from grasping at other things to fill you, you can finally focus on what matters most in life, which is love and service. Okay. So how do we act upon this? How do you become rooted and established in God's love? How do you grasp the love of Christ? How do you be filled with the fullness of God? And the answer is, you have to pray. You have to pray. You knew I was going to say that because that is literally always the answer to everything at church. Almost always the answer. And um, so there's a story. Okay, there is a story in the book of Acts where Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus Peter, he is in prison, in chains. And an angel comes to rescue him. And the angel comes and is like, hey, Peter, get up. And then chains immediately fall from Peter's hands. Like, literally, the verse says, chains fell from his hands. And me, being heavily influenced by our boy Peter, when I was in the thick of my struggle with lust, I would pray, God, break this chain, thinking that chains of lust would immediately fall from my hands, just like they fell from Peter's hands. And let me tell you, it was not like that. Like, not even close to being immediate. And so I would pray, God, break these chains, because I, I wanted it to be so immediate, right? But what happened was I started to pray, God, untie this knot. And I'll explain why. Because if you look at the slide, there's an image of a, not this one, um, of a chain breaking. And first we'll see, like, the breaking of this chain is instantaneous, right? It's immediate. It happens at the snap of a finger. But if you go to the next slide, which is the one that we saw earlier, a knot, just, giving, just looking at this knot gives me anxiety. Because can you imagine trying to untie a knot like this? Um, it takes time. 
it takes persistence. You have, to make, you have to take several passes at it. You have to loosen one side and then loosen the other side. Then maybe you'll come back to it later. And so when I started saying, God, untie this knot, it really helped me frame prayer for my struggles as a process, as something that takes time, as something that's not immediate, right? Something that you got to take several passes at. And so I hope that analogy was helpful. If you're going through something right now and you don't see any way out from it, try to start praying, God, untie this knot, and really think about it as like a knot that has to be untied. And um, let me say something else just in case uh, some of you might need this pep talk. Though I... I am not holier than thou. Um, this is what I tell myself like every month. And if you think that you don't have time for prayer or to read scripture, let me tell you, okay? We all have the same amount of time in a day. You have to make the time. You have to make the time. You have to prioritize what you want the most in your faith in your spiritual life, in your relationship with God, because here's the truth. If something is important enough, you'll make time. If it's not, you'll make excuses. And I am not saying this is easy, okay? Because, because I know, like, your circumstances could be dramatically different, dramatically different. Like, you probably wish you had more time, more energy, more motivation, less responsibilities. I wish for all of those things too. I think everyone in this room and online wishes for those things, right? But I want you to ask yourself, in fact, like, ask, like right now, ask yourself, what do I want the most? And if what you want the most is to be so filled with the fullness of God, that you don't grasp at anything else to fill you, not money, not status, not career, not sex, not beauty, not romance, none of that. If you want to be so filled with the fullness of God that you don't grasp at any of those things to fill you, then you need to spend time with God. You need to pray these verses into your heart until they become a reality in your life. Amen? Amen. So that's what you can do. You can pray. And if you want to be an action taker this week, I will give you an assignment. There are 10,080 minutes in a week. Spend just five minutes, five minutes praying Ephesians 3. Five minutes out of 10,080 minutes is 0.05% of your week. 0.05%. We're not even at 1%. We're at 0.05%. So can we all do that? Can we all be action takers this week? Five minutes, 0.05% of your week, asking God, root and establish me in your love. Help me grasp the love of Christ. Fill me with your fullness. And I'm going to start to wrap up here. So... How can we all live this out together as a church? Um, how can we all live this out together as a church? And I think we need to create a culture 
at 99 where secret sin isn't kept in the dark, but rather it's brought to the light. And so Mickey, back in November 2019, had posed a question about, um, posed a question during a sermon, which I thought was so great. He said, when was the last time you asked someone to pray for your sin? And I was like, wow, oh my gosh. And, And sin, I know that is such a weighty word for all of us, so weighty. Um, but we're going to go with Mickey's definition that he shared months ago, and it was sin is the human propensity to F things up. Sin is the human propensity to F things up. But I can't use the real world. <laughs> I can't use the real world. <laughs> cut, the, cut the live stream. Okay. So I'll dive into a bit more uh, about my struggle. And, you know, I debated this whole sermon because it's so personal, but, but then I thought 99 is the church for the rebels and the runaways, which Ying preached about last week. And uh, it was clear to me this was what God wanted me to talk about, and I wanted to be obedient to that. We had a guest speaker at 99, uh, also in 2019, who said, obedience to God's will is the safest place you can be. And I still remember that to this day, and it inspired me. So, um, okay, obviously I'm stalling. I will stop stalling. Okay, so years ago, I uh, became involved in, I'll call it an undefined relationship with with another guy. And um, it was fueled by a lot of lust and sexual sin. And we tried going on a few dates, but we had zero chemistry. Um, So we couldn't connect emotionally, so it became purely a physical relationship. Now, remember for me, remember for me, it is never about the guy. It is about my need to feel desirable. And I read a quote once that said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that 100% describes my situation. This took me farther than I wanted to go. There were so many things, so many boundaries that were crossed that I really regret, and it kept me longer than I wanted to stay. When it first started, I told myself one weekend, but it turned into six months. And it cost me more than I wanted to pay. And I could list off so many consequences for you guys. But the biggest thing was it cost me my peace. And you, you know what people say, like, if it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. I remember I would drive home from his place, music off, dead silent, feeling completely numb because my soul was in torment. Like, that's the best way I could describe it. My soul was in torment. And it was because I wanted so badly to be freed from what felt like an addiction, but yet I literally felt chained to my addiction, which is why I would pray, God, break this chain. And every drive home, I would tell myself, V, like, That was the last time. Never again. 
like this ends tonight. But then sure enough, a few days later, I would be making that same drive and telling myself the exact same thing. And for a long time, I told nobody about this. This was like truly like a deep secret of mine. I told nobody. And at the church I was going to at the time, I was leading CG, which of course added more to my shame. And so I was leading CG. So I had multiple, multiple opportunities to get help, get prayer from my pastors, from other CG leaders, from even my own CG, but I didn't do any of that. Like I told nobody, I just suffered in silence and in shame. Um, Side note though, I eventually told a few friends who gave me the prayer and accountability I needed. Shout out to those friends watching this, love you guys. But back to my point about church, back to my point about church. What is my point? My point is, I remember going to church and feeling so burdened, so burdened by this, but yet I felt so uncomfortable, so awkward, like so shameful, so guilty to even bring this up to people. And, you know, now I think, wow, there might be people coming to this church, people watching online who are going through the exact same thing. Or maybe it's a different struggle, but the emotions are the same. But yet they still have that feeling of like awkwardness, of shame, of not wanting to reach out to someone for help, even though all they want is help. And that just, that just makes me so sad because like, I know how awful going through all of that is. And church should be a place of freedom and of peace. It should be a place where you feel like you don't have to hide. And so my point is, so first of all, let me say, like, that is on me. It was my responsibility to get the help that I needed and my fault for not doing so. But I also think it's the responsibility of the church to create a non-judgmental environment where people feel like they can openly confess and repent and welcome accountability for change. And so the point that I'm trying to make is the way we can all live this out together as a church is to create an environment where all of that is normal, where praying for each other's sins, even the taboo ones like lust, is normal. Like, how amazing would that be? And why do I keep using the word normal? Because normalization creates culture. What is normal in a given environment becomes that environment's culture. And so that is the way that I hope and pray we could live this out as a church together, is to really create a non-judgmental culture where anyone like from any background, can come to 99 and feel like if they are going through something, they can openly confess, repent, and welcome accountability for change. And so let me close for us in prayer. God, I pray 
that you help everyone here identify what they have been grasping at to fill them. Because, Lord, we are so tired of being distracted and exhausted from things that we grasp at. Instead, will you help us grasp the love of Christ and give us a desire to learn about you, to know you, to pursue you every day because it's prayer, it's scripture, and time with you that changes us. And Lord, we want 99 to be a church where people don't need to hide, where people aren't judged, people aren't shamed for anything that they've done, for anything that they've done. So Lord, help us create a culture where it's normal to confess, normal to repent, and normal to welcome accountability for change. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.